welcome to the third episode of the Gather Podcast. We are so glad you're back, and I am excited to be able to interview Deb Ellinger today. And Deb is the founder of Ellie's House and um, my friend. So, Deb, introduce yourself to us. Yeah, so um, I am on staff here at church. I am in charge of large group, and so anything from kindergarten to fifth grade, Bible time, I'm teaching that. Um, in addition to that, I have four kids and a husband. Um, Maddie's 22, Lainey's 20, Peyton is 18, and McGuire is 15. Um, and then I am the executive director of Ellie's House. And if you don't know what Ellie's House is, we are an organization that helps and serves women um, who are in forced prostitution or being trafficked on the streets of Detroit, and we also provide a residential program for them. Great. All right, tell us something that only your family knows about. Oh, yeah. So we really like dance parties at my house, mm -hmm. and so when all of our kids are home, which is rare because they're away at school, but when all of our kids are at home, we do crank up the music, and we do dance party, or we play We Dance, and it is like our family thing to yeah. do. And if you follow her on Facebook, you can sometimes catch those, you can. and it's super fun. It is super we fun. We, too, like a dance party, yeah. and um, so I'm not allowed to post those. Yeah. So that's <laughs> how that goes. <laughs> I'm sure my kids don't thoroughly love it either, but. Yeah. So um, give me some of your favorite things. Yeah, my favorite things. So I love watching softball because um, the girls play it. Um, I love Danielle Strickland. Everything Danielle Strickland. Danielle is. I want to hear um, more. She is a woman speaker, Christian speaker, um, who fights for justice. She also started human trafficking organizations. She's from Canada. And just the way she communicates with people, but um, the way she loves people. So to find someone who can actually communicate truth in a passionate and loving way is um, something I can definitely learn from. And so I just enjoy reading her books and listening to her speak. And, and then we got to go together and see yeah, her we got to go meet her and spend time with huge her, blessing. which was a huge blessing to us. And then um, and then I just I like running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I walk, yeah, I so know. we're going to have to fix that. I know. I'm going to bike, oh, and you can run. That, that would okay. work really well. That would be good. All right, so some other things that feed your soul. Mm. Girlfriend time definitely mm -hmm. feeds my soul. Um, if I do not, I have to be very intentional about girlfriend time, right, because our schedules are so busy, and so I've mm -hmm. worked really hard in the last couple of years of being intentional, scheduling time with friends, because that really does fill me up, and then beach time fills me up. I could be at a beach like every few months just to have a couple days to refresh nope. on the water. Um, that is a great That's filler for me. All right. Any life hacks, things that make your life easier, even when you were homeschooling? Think of the mm -hmm. times like I know you're virtual schooling now. And, mm -hmm. Deb has done all three, so we should definitely take some time to pick her brain about all three. Yes. Public, homeschool, private school. We have done it all. You did private school. You did virtual school. We did do private school when Maddie was in kindergarten oh. in first grade. There you go. She's done So literally we've done all of them. Okay. And we survived. What did you learn? Maybe about schooling in general to just yeah. to make just that process and that responsibility um, a little bit easier. Yeah, I think the one thing I learned um, was don't compare yourself to other families, right? Like we were yeah. homeschooling when you guys were homeschooling and our families are different, mm -hmm. right? We're all wired different, God makes us that way. Yeah. And so 
don't compare yourself to what everybody else is doing or mm -hmm. what works for their family because what works for your family wasn't going to work for our yeah, family. Our kids are different. Our kids are They're just wired different. differently. My kids definitely don't play softball. Yeah. Well, and your kids are extremely <laughs> academic and love that, right? Yeah. And my kids are just like, yeah. You know, yeah, I, think, I could take it or leave it. Yeah, you know, they're interested in some things, but not all. Right, yeah. mm -hmm. right. And so I think once I learned to to get my heart to that place, like I think at the end of the day, most moms are just doing what they feel is best for their kids, and right. that's what you should do. What mm -hmm. you feel is best for your kids. Each individual. Each kid individual too, Peyton kid does love it. Yeah, Peyton is very <laughs> academic. Yeah, she um, loves it. I think the best thing we did was every year we just reevaluated, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the year, we would take their input, we would listen to their input, but Jake and I made the final decision, but we definitely received what they would tell us about schooling. And um, I think that gave them some ownership of it as well. I love that because I'm talking about parenting in a pandemic right now. <sighs> Everything you just said is on my yeah. one, two, three. Invite them into the conversation. Yes, yes. Don't compare to other kids. Mm -mm. It's don't. so good. You'll be exhausted if you do that. And then it, you don't have the energy to do the job. You don't. Because it's don't. all the emotional yep. yeah, burden you're putting for on yourself. Sure. Okay. Any tips for bringing Jesus into your day, into your rhythm, yeah. and making him the central part? Yeah, so I asked my kids this question. I was curious to see what each of them would say. Mm -hmm. What did we do? I knew what we did, but I was curious to see if they all thought the same thing, and they did. So we would start our morning with Jesus. We're morning people. At least we mm -hmm. work better in the morning that, that we thoroughly love the morning, but we work better in the morning. Right. And so we would get up early. That was our time to spend in devotion. Um, and the other thing they said was at Christmas time, we would take the entire month of December off, which some of you might think is crazy, but it was like yeah. break for me, right? To give us a little bit of sanity. We and did the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we would just serve people. We would do something to serve people every single day. So we were renting a house in Roseville. We lived across the street from a bus stop and we would serve the people at the bus stop. We would mm -hmm. do something for them every day, hot chocolate, cards, or things like that. Um, and that, that was that. I think that's where they really learned to to serve people was during during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes it real. It it's does like make it real. Up that relationship with God, the in relationship mm -hmm. with each other as Christians, and the out relationships with the community and serving. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, All right, sure. so tell me a little bit about your passion mm. and love for women and yeah. for justice. Yeah. So I used to be a police officer and. Um, so I think it's funny how God makes everything kind of fall into place where he wants you. I look back to my time in law enforcement, and I see now how God was really preparing me to really love on women. Mm -hmm. um, because the same exact women and men that I'm now serving were the same exact people I was arresting before, right? And so um, I really grew a passion for, for women who were really just struggling, right? Didn't have the resources, didn't have the family. I worked in a jail for a period of time, and I can't tell you how many women in that jail were there for prostitution. And I just look back and think, wow, did we really like this, did do a disservice to them, right? What do, what do we need to know about that? When we see that and we say, well, yeah, yeah of course they were in jail. You know, maybe they, people listening don't understand. Mm, good question, yeah. yeah. Um, so 95% uh, of the women we work with on the street do not choose to be in prostitution. So right. the women we're working with are um, in prostitution for survival. It is really a means of earning money. Right. And not earning money to go out for dinner, like earning money for, for someone else. Yeah, 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 for someone else or 
for their own food and shelter, right? So some of the women we work with um, give their money to somebody else, and then the other portion of them are doing it for what I would call survival. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so now you get to see the full process, and you actually yeah. work with the police officers mm -hmm. and try to yeah. rescue people from the street and give them an opportunity to have a different life. Yeah, it's been so great to have law enforcement experience and then be able <clears throat> to go in and talk to law enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. If you've worked in law enforcement, they're going to they're gonna be a little bit more likely to listen to you. And so we've had that opportunity to do some trainings at the precinct in the area that we're at. We've started to bridge that gap a little bit. <clears throat> so the women aren't so afraid to talk to the police department. The police department's not arresting the women. They're calling me and seeing if we can try to find them resources. Um, and so I would love to see all departments be able to do that. Um, because putting women in jail, that's not really yeah. getting them anywhere in the future. It is just a vicious circle that just continues and continues. So Culture and a lifestyle that you don't want to be in, they don't want to be in, so mm -hmm. it gives them a chance out of it. Right. Reminds me of my boss, um, my former boss, Dr. Charles Weddle, he would work with the system for um, young juveniles to get them out of juvenile detention and go to treatment, drug, drug and alcohol treatment. Yeah. Same, same idea, let's look towards a plan to, to right. rescue. You also talk to the pimps on the we street do. and mm -hmm. the the people that are actually doing the selling. And so you minister to them. What a message of grace and, and also hope. Yeah. So. Yeah, one thing I learned, I was not convinced that's what we were, I was not convinced that's what God ca was calling us to do. Um, but then it became very obvious to me when, um, when we had met Sarge, but then as we met people and talked to men and learned their story, I learned that they had so much abuse in their own life. Mm -hmm. You know, every woman we talked to has had some type of abuse, and the same is true for the men, right? right? Like, they were in this pattern that they had seen their mom's boyfriend do it, or they had seen their dad do it. It was a way to earn income, and it was... It's a path of life. It was a path of life, some and it was acceptable. Some people go to college, some people do this. Absolutely, and, and it was yeah. acceptable. Right. And so once I, th I was like, wow, that that's kind of convicting. So mm -hmm. we really did just start loving on them too. And um, I know God's doing something in them. And so I'm, I'm excited about Can that. Can you tell a little bit about Sarge? Yeah, so, okay. so if you don't know who Sarge is, we met him and um, on the street and then um, got him to a drug treatment program. And now he's 13 months, almost 14 months clean and we do life with him. So, so he great. spends holidays with us. He does grad parties at our house and um, he has a job and bought a car, got his license, got his warrants taken care of, but he had no family. So if our organization wasn't able to do that, there's so many gaps in the system, right? And right. so if we weren't able to help fill in those gaps for him and help him you know, get his warrants taken care of. I think fear would just take over. Absolutely. And he wouldn't be able to take the next step. You know, right. just feel too insurmountable. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, so most of us do not have the ability or the skill to do what you're doing on that level, but you know, we know we can get involved and mm -hmm. help out Ellie's house and be mm -hmm. part of what you're doing in your ministry. But what can we also do in our homes to... Yeah. Um, bring forth justice and mercy. I'm going to quote you right now okay. from your, um, your talk a couple weeks ago in church. You say, justice is not a project. It is an investment in people, community, and ultimately love. It is risky. It will cost you something. It costs Jesus something. Jesus is the ultimate deliverer of justice and not primarily in handing out consequences. 
but in making wrong right and in using his worth to restore ours and others. So how as parents, single people, just people that maybe don't have, um, they don't have the background that you do, how can mm. they bring justice in their communities? Yeah. I think the one thing I would say is um, check your heart and, and have the eyes that Jesus has. Um, when I do human trafficking training and I talk a lot about prostitution, I tell nurses and doctors when I'm doing these trainings, like I really want you, I really want to shift how your eyes are seeing things because for so long we've seen this as a choice, we've seen this as a way of life and, and it's not. And so mm -hmm. if we could shift the way our eyes see homeless people, if we could shift the way our eyes see prostitutes and drug dealers, like they're people that God created too. They have a story, right? Mm -hmm. They have a story to, in there that led them to this life. Right. Um, and so if we could change the way we see those people and then talk about those people in a new light instead of um, saying, you know, the homeless person is there because they made poor choices. Instead, I would say the homeless person is there and we're going to love them despite mm -hmm. that, right? And there's all kinds of ways you can show love. You might not feel comfortable handing food to somebody, but would you be comfortable making food and giving it up to us? to give people, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you have younger kids, we always talk about the cards. I tell parents and moms all the time, like have the, make a card for somebody on the street. I gotta tell you, that is one of the most impactful things a girl receives on the street is a note. Absolutely. And when you sit there and you watch her read it and you watch her face turn from sadness to joy and then sometimes sadness again because their hearts are just so broken. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if we could shift the way we see people I think the cards are so important because I know when I was sick, the cards, yeah. just feeling like there's kind people. Yeah. I would post them up on the wall mm. for myself. And then a client that I worked with said she didn't realize there were people out there trying to rescue people caught in human trafficking. And she, her story was she lived just in a regular home and yeah. it was family. Yeah. And, um, and she said when she saw the kindness of people and that people cared, there was hope. And mm -hmm. then they, she started taking steps to get, get out of the situation yeah. she was in, but it took a lot of courage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is so much hope in a note mm -hmm. from a stranger. Yeah, so it's like we underestimate that power. We really do. Okay. So, and then Joe talked a little bit about last week about mercy being really caring and having compassion for the misfortunes of others and the suffering of others. So that's definitely the same too, like mm -hmm. using our worth um, to help restore someone else's, having that compassion, having those eyes of Jesus yeah. to love and like we're called to do that. So in our homes when we're parenting, we can have the kids write notes, we can mm -hmm. have them make sandwiches. We yeah. can do all kinds of things, or just as we are passing by somebody on the street, we can talk, like say, let's pray for that yeah, person. Yeah, absolutely. Like praying for those people, acknowledging acknowledging them, right? Right, like, don't ignore it. Don't ignore yeah. it. Don't. Um, I've heard homeless people say, even if you have nothing to give me, but you smile and wave at me, mm -hmm. makes an impact. Uh, we feed a group of people um, every time I'm down at um, eight and Dequinder, and sometimes I just I ran out of food, and so I don't have anything. So I roll my window down and say, "Hey, Chris, I'm sorry, I didn't bring anything," but I acknowledge him, right? Like yeah. he's there, he's present. I know he's there, and I want him to know that we we know that, and so Absolutely. acknowledge it. That's so important because Dr. Tony Evans says if um, the church doesn't get it right, we don't show 
justice and mercy, the culture can't. Absolutely. Right, so, so how do we do that? And we have to keep trying. So thank you for being yeah. that and a good example for us because we're image bearers of God mm -hmm. and we wanna take that responsibility really, really seriously. Okay, so what else? Okay, this is a time of pivoting. Mm. Of yes. massive pivoting. So how has that affected your family and how have yeah. you learned to pivot in your ministry and then also um, in your family time? Yeah, so I, when we were talking about pivoting before I wrote down, um, when you're able to pivot to adapt to change, the people you love and serve are better because of that. So mm -hmm. um, that includes your family, that includes people you do life with, people you serve and volunteer. So if you are willing to pivot to make those changes in order to love people better, right? To build community better, for mm -hmm. people to see Jesus better. I think you're only helping create a better life for people, right? Yeah. And, 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 so, yeah, and we so have to be good. willing to do that because everything is changing so rapidly. Yeah, it's like we're tempted to look back, mm -hmm. but we kind of have to kind of be present we really in the do. moment. And so some maybe it starts with self-care, Yeah, right? For like, sure. Take a minute, breathe, take a day. Yeah, like and, moms, yeah. it's okay to take a break, yeah. right? Like it's okay to take that time for yourself, 20 minutes, 30 minutes every day. There should yes. be no guilt or shame in that, right? Yeah. There shouldn't be. And so I think there's so much pressure on moms to be a certain way, to act a certain way now, to teach a certain way, to school a certain way. Yeah. Give yourself that break, like give yourself that time. There's no way we can pivot if we don't give ourselves that time. Uh, no, absolutely, right? so, absolutely. Yeah. And that's so good. And it does, it's like, I mean, it's so heavy because you hear the heart, the mom is the heart mm. of the home. And it's like, yeah. oh, ouch. I know. But like the only way we can be that heart is if we take that time to kind of recharge and rebuild. And yeah. then like you said, then being able to be flexible mm -hmm. helps everybody else around us. Absolutely. So, okay, the devotion this week was my favorite, Hagar. Mm, yes. And Hagar is a woman who is, just rejected, mistreated, and so um, the women that you minister to have so much in common with Hagar. Um, and so I'll tell her story next week, but we're talking about God being the God who sees, Elroy. So, and we know him in so many different ways, but this idea that God is the God who sees me. So yeah. God sees each of the women you minister to. God sees us. Right. God sees every person, which is amazing to believe. Um, but when you think about that, how does it affect um, what you do and how you feel about yourself, too? Yeah. Well, I am so thankful that I have learned how God sees me, right, and mm -hmm. not believing the lies. And so um, I've become very passionate about that because of our church and talking about identity and who we are. And, and so I take that, what I learn here, and I take that on the street. Like, I, I want them to realize how God sees them, too, right? I want them to realize that in their moment of being on the street, being homeless, addicted, and struggling with prostitution or being trafficked, like that does not identify who they are, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm big on identity on the street because so many of them believe that is all that they are, yeah. right? That's all what that they do is what they are. Right. And for so long, my entire life, I was told I wasn't good enough, right? That was the lie that I believed up right. until very recently. And to see God transform that in me um, just made me more passionate and driven for other women mm -hmm. to know their, their identity, the truth about who they are. And so we do talk about that a lot on the streets. And um, 
the other day I met a new woman and we were pulling away from her and I was like, God's telling us we should stop and I'm supposed to talk to her. And so I did and I said, I'm, God's telling me I'm supposed to tell you you're valued and you're loved and you're worthy. And she just started sobbing. Wow. And the guy that was with her put his arm around her and um, she said, could I just have your card? And I said, yeah. So I gave her my card, but um, no one tells them that. Right? No one tells them that. And that's so important, learning to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he says to us and then take those steps out of maybe our comfort zone to say yeah. to people around us to bless them. Mm -hmm. God is giving us a blessing to give yeah. to them, yeah, so whoever true. that is, even a stranger. Yeah, sometimes. even if it's but weird and it's awkward. It's I'm like, she's probably going to think so I'm crazy, go but I'm no, just going to do didn't. it. And she didn't. <laughs> but my mind was, she yeah. doesn't think you're really weird, right. but that's okay. That's so great, Deb. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Um, okay, so in the messy middle between mm. the day you're born and the day mm. you go to heaven, there's yeah. a little dash in between. What do you want that dash to be all about? That I loved people where they were at and that I did that well, right? I don't do it perfect because I'm not perfect. I fall short all the time, but that's what I want my dash to be is that I loved people where they were and I loved them well. You do that well. I love to see Thanks. it. I love to do life with you. Yeah, me too. I love doing life with you. I'm going to pray for us. Okay. Father, thank you so much for all you do um, to bring life to us. Thank you that you are the God that sees. You, sees, you see all of us. And um, it's not about what we've done. It's about what you've done. You've done everything to set us free, to restore our worth, to show us how much you love us, Lord. And... Um, we are worth what you say you're, yet that we are worth, and that's Jesus' life. So thank you for giving everything to us. Help us to share that love with the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, hopefully you will like and subscribe, and we will see you back next week to talk about Hagar and the God who sees.